Guys, check out my new shirt. Love it. Yeah, beautiful. Can you read it out loud to our, our listeners? It says, Dirty Kanza established 2006 Emporia. Emporia, Kanza. Yeah, that's where Dirty Kanza takes place. Uh, I'm all in. I'm all in on the Kanza. I'm a gravel grinder now. I'm yeah. looking in for some TT bars for my cross bike. Uh, I'm thinking about giving one of those uh, Swedish forks, those Leif, Leif uh, yeah. forks. Icelandic, I think. Um, gonna gonna get a photo on the the Chase Lounge. Mm-hmm. Um, get you a bandana. Get me, yeah, yeah. Or two. Well, well. Funny you say that. Is that uh, my punchline to this cold open was going to be my girlfriend went to Dirty Kanza and all I got was this T-shirt. <laughs> Well, welcome to episode 51 of the Yeah You Ride podcast. This is the Bodie Bodie. Uh, hey there, Bodie. This is the T-Bone. And this is Sir Cheerio. This show is going to be chock full of good stuff, just like a mouthful of gravel. Mm. Uh, can't wait to get into it. Yeah. Well, let's do that then. Let's get into it. You want to get right into the gravel? Let's get into the gravel. Let's yeah. Let's let's give a first of all. Let's give a shout out to former or previous podcast guest Yuri Hauswald, who placed second in the DKXL. Yeah, the inaugural DKXL, right? Yeah, three hundred and sixty, three hundred and sixty miles, five hundred k, unsupported, bonkers. Yeah, they started at four o'clock on Friday afternoon and arrived, I guess, sometime Saturday evening. Uh, they had a tracker website set up, and mm-hmm. unfortunately, Yuri's was broken, so we thought he was in last place for a long time, and we were pretty bummed about that. We were thinking about, well, it was a podcast curse, maybe, yeah. um, but turns out his tracker was wrong, and uh, he got second place. So once again, yeah, congrats, Yuri. Um, Congratulations to us for giving him lots of uh, inspirational conversations about it. No doubt. Yeah. Yeah. And I got one of those specially flavored goos, um, mm. French roast. Oh, so what? The, French, so that was the flavor, French roast. French roast or French toast? Oh, maybe it was. I thought it said French toast, French roast, but French toast makes more sense for high school kids. Yeah, French Have roast. Have you tried is, it yet? No, so, I, uh, my girlfriend sent a photo. I oh. actually haven't actually seen it, but ah. she sent me a text. She okay. met Yuri. She got a high five, said hello. Um, yeah, we're going to get into more of my girlfriend and the boss ladies uh, trip here in a bit. But we just kind of wanted to dish a little bit about the, uh, the I still don't really call it the pro race, but there definitely was a pointy end of the things. Mm. Uh, Ted King won the men's 200 and... Set a new course record, I believe, as I well. I did not know they had course records. Yeah. Um, and I am blanking... Katie Keogh? 
Caitlin Keogh yeah. won the women's race. That's right. Uh, Both Cannondale sponsored riders. Something in the juice. And, uh, and uh, you know, Ted King is a, a former pro, I guess. I mean, you could easily call him a pro cyclist still. I don't know that he ha- currently has a pro contract, but he is sponsored by Cannondale. He's a former And Velocio as well. He right. definitely gets paid to ride his bike. He yes. is no longer a World Tour pro cyclist but i don't know if you follow him on instagram he like set a new threshold the other day really uh he got an alert from his training peaks wow so well i mean he say he's he's pretty fast and, right and now. caitlin keogh is clearly still a pro she, cyclocross she rider. is a pro yeah. yeah i mean i think it's interesting his situation is a little bit like um you know there's there's various in fact there were some other people there at the race uh sven ness was there That's and right. uh and uh jens voigt both did it sven did not complete it i think he had some bad mechanicals and and he was having stomach issues apparently but jens did he came in just inside the top 100 uh so you know you think of you know mr shut up legs and uh, ted king uh, finished way ahead of him yeah, well, I think that I think I've seen Sven before. I think he's enjoying some of the retired, not Sven, uh, Jens. I think yeah. he's enjoying the retired life. Also, he does like marathons and stuff too. He's doing triathlons <laughs> and like a lot. Um, he did some crazy like Everesting challenge recently and stuff like that. A lot of charity events and stuff. So but- DK 200, 200 miles on gravel. I wonder what else other than his legs Jens was telling to shut up at the end of that ride. <laughs> Probably telling the gravel to shut up. That's and true. the wind. Uh, we also had a uh, pro cyclocross racer Jamie Driscoll was there. Uh, mm-hmm. Michael Vandeham was there. Uh, you had Michael Sheehan of uh, the Meter Giordano. Yeah. Jeff Kabush. Uh, was Jeff third Kabush. Yeah, that's in right. The, in the two hundred. Jeff Kabush anti TT bars. He. Uh, yes. He, was he before the race? He came out and said that he was against the time trialing bars. Maybe there's, they're calling them skis, TT skis or yeah. something. clip-ons or whatever you want to call them. Which, uh, yeah, I don't know. That's sort of, it's interesting. What's interesting about that is that the whole idea of the, or what Cynthia purported the idea of the gravel races is it's unsanctioned. It's mm-hmm. sort of, it's more like relaxed. There's not so much rules. It's a better vibe. But right. do you see that, like, the more people get into it, the more you kind of have to create rules, and then rules are sort of developed or established, and then people say, you can't use this, you can't use that. The bigger the event gets. Exactly, yeah. So on and so forth. I mean, so they're, you know, it's a mass start event, you yeah. know. Uh, like, and, and people are riding as a pack on gravel. They are. I mean, yeah. Ted King mentioned, Ted, Ted King also was doing Instagram stories while doing the race really yeah you can go on his instagram and they're probably all gone now but he said that those tt bars helped him do instagram stories because he was oh, like so this. he was on the bars yeah, uh, yeah he was on the bars he was with jeff jeff was against the bars um well i i that's interesting because i saw an interview with ted king after the race uh from uh, cyclocross magazine and he said yeah i'd probably be before banning the tt bars he did yeah yeah so I was surprised. I didn't realize that he'd actually used them. Ah, okay. Um, I don't know. How do you feel? What do we say? Quick. Uh... Uh, I say just, you know, ride what you want in this race, right? I mean, you got Allison Tetrick that rode it uh, two years ago with a, with a lefty fork. Um, you know, I mean, I, yeah, I think it's, uh, I think it's Ted open. King did too. Um, when he, when 
uh, he wrote it on the slate. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, I guess it's uh, it's it's all it's all fair game. Mm-hmm. It is until it isn't. I feel like that. I mean, this is sort of like you know, it, is there ever going to be like a pro category at DK? You know, where I mean, they do break it up into age um, and mm. sex. Mm. So that you can you there's like the overall and then there's you know you can broke out in your category. Well, and I mean, then there's look, mixed doubles too, right? Because there is a tandem category. There's uh, also a fat bike category. Yeah. Oh gosh. There well, I mean, be. maybe you <laughs> saw the beginnings of it this year creeping in. I mean, you had the invitation only DKXL, the aforementioned DKXL that Yuri competed in. You know, maybe there will be an invitation only sort of pro category going forward uh, for the for the 200 race. I, I don't know. I mean, the, the other interesting thing about it is this is all happening and, and perhaps is happening because of how much more popular the general sport of gravel riding and gravel racing is becoming. Yeah, You've got more money from the big bike uh, companies in gravel bikes and gravel gear. And when money starts getting attracted to the sport, you start seeing sponsorship. You start seeing uh, people getting paid to ride. And or you can know where it goes from there. So th- this is what I've actually wondered is, do you think that someone like Ted King is going to ride Dirty Kansas because it's becoming more popular? Or is he going to ride Dirty Kansas because he couldn't quite make it in the world tour and now has easy pickings? Mm. And, and look, I'm not throwing shade at Ted King. and I'm not saying it's easy. Pick. It was easy for him to win this race. But when you put a former world tour pro in a race with pretty much mostly amateurs, right? he's got a fair chance of coming in first. Yeah, um, he's, he's got a very good chance, but there's also, obviously there's, a, I mean... I mean, it's attracted, but then that what happens is that attracts more pros, and right. then you sort of, then that kind of then makes it the same as what he left, and so it's like, then, like, do you then create that pro category? I don't know. I mean, I, mean, I think, although, the, I mean, you can also argue the thing that, okay, Ted King was a world tour racer, but he was a domestique. He wasn't, yeah. you know, he was not a, a GC contender or a, you know, world-class sprinter or, you know, any of the, he wasn't somebody, I mean, I don't know if I can ever remember Ted King winning a stage as a pro, he may, or a race as a pro, as a, a you know, in the world tour. Yeah, I mean, um, that's why he wants to do the gravel, so he can get some wins. Well, I mean, it's also like, maybe this is better for him, you know? It's, True. It's, it's more solo. suited. You're doing it. You're. I mean, even though they're riding in a pack a lot of the time, you're probably going to end up on your own at some point. Yeah, uh, I think so. Um, and you know, he ha- obviously is very good at it. So why not? It's a. It's a second career in racing. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's kind of like some of those uh, world tour pros or former world tour pros in Europe who are going to do the Red Hook crits. Yeah. You know. Um, and then you know. I, I would say the other thing was like, you know, there was that Taiwan hill climb and Nibali shows up and blows everybody's doors off with, with the team. You know, he basically was getting paced up by his, uh, by his teammates. I did not know that. Yeah. So, you know, that then takes it to a bit of a different level. So I think it, what happened, what's going to happen is that there's going to be another underground event that comes out of this. Mm-hmm. We were talking about this, uh, chatting about it. And I was saying that Tracklocross is the new gravel grinder. I mean, do you guys have any ideas of other uh, new underground uh, events? I mean, because obviously Fix Your Crits are dead. Road cycling's dead. Gravel grinding's about to be dead. Uh, what? What's the new stuff? Yeah, I mean, Tracklocross, I think you're, I think maybe you're on it there. Matt, you had an idea. I did? 
<laughs> one wheel. Oh yeah, I think you know extreme ultra endurance unicycling uh, would okay. definitely be great. Yeah, with and TT bars are allowed in that. <laughs> I mean, it's that it is a fixed gear too. So there you go. It like kind of hits all the hits all the bases. It's, yeah, you can do wide tire fixed gear. Yeah, why? I mean, one like, wheel, oh, bro. You you're riding two wheels fixed. Yeah, come on, yeah. on one wheel. Yeah, that's on. that's the future. Well, we should um, talk to some people that were there. So uh, on the line, we have Elise Behasa and Christina Larson. Uh, we've had them on the podcast before. Um, the ladies of uh, Boss, um, Badass Women Shred Everything. I got that right, right? Yeah. Yes. Uh, also known as Badass Women Shred Emporia. Oh, okay. How about that? Mm. I like that too. I like that one. Um, and... Uh, you're also our teammates on Urban South Racing, and you yep. guys just came back from Dirty Kansas. So uh, without further ado, would you like to uh, tell us a little bit about your experience? Uh, sure. Um, I can go first. Um, so... Um, and this is the Elise. Race is incredible. Oh, yeah, this, I'm sorry. This is Elise. <laughs> um, the race is incredible. Um, you start with two, about almost a little bit over a thousand people and you roll out and it kind of, you know, within the first 50 miles, it shakes out to where everyone's kind of going to sit for the next few hours. And, um, uh, you know, you have everyone from pro racers like Sven and Jans Voigt and Katie Keogh and Allison Tetrick racing to, you know, people who have never raced a bike before and just wanted to, to, to take the personal challenge on. And so, you know, we met a lot of people from a lot of different places. And um, even, you know, when, when we would literally be riding <laughs> in, during the race and people would stop and be like, hey, where are you from? And, and trying to talk to you about your experience with the race. And it, it was great. You know, um, the Kansas is beautiful. Whoever said it doesn't have hills. Um, has not been to the Flint Hills of Kansas. They have hills like nobody's business. And yeah. um, it was an incredible experience and it was a lot of fun. And it was one of those experiences where as I was on my bike, miles probably uh, like 80 to 160, I swore to myself I would never do that race again. And then I woke up the next morning. I looked Ali, our other teammate, and Christina in the eye and I said, don't kill me but I think I want to do it again next year. <laughs> By next year, um, unfortunately, Allie and I did not finish. Um, we suffered a bunch of mechanicals and issues that really slowed us down and kind of really, you know, mentally um, affected us and mentally drug us down. So we were not able to finish. Um, but we did get to see Christina finish and congratulate her at the end. And it was um, probably one of the happiest moments um, of the trip and of my life to see, you know, someone who I know, who I've trained and raced with and who I know so dearly um, complete one of the hardest things I've ever attempted in my life. So, so yeah, I mean, you were, you're, you're saying that uh, that it's a, just a real mental and, and physical challenge, I imagine. 
it's probably mentally and physically challenging, even if you're not having problems with your bike. And, and at least you were having some pretty epic problems with your bicycle from, from the yeah. reports I was getting. So that had to just really be uh, a, a mammoth uh, set of issues to deal with. And I, and I have to say, I can't, uh, I can't blame you for, for pulling the plug on that. Yeah. I mean, and it was, you know, it was, it was getting dark and, you know, we were, we pulled up to the third checkpoint around like, I want to say 1030 and they were closing, um, the finish line about 330. And so that gave us about, you know, a little, a good amount of time to get to the finish, but with, you know, wanting to rest a little bit and then keep to continue going, you know, um, riding in gravel in the dark is, you know, pretty pretty scary. Um, you know, it's, it's completely doable. You know, everyone, it's, it's pretty okay, but it's, it's, it gets really scary. You know, you don't know if you're about to ride into a giant piece of rock or a a hole. And, um, unfortunately I was not running completely tubeless at that point because I had had a flat at about mile 70. And so, and I didn't have sealant. So I essentially was running, um, a tube, in my front wheel and tubeless in the back. So, you know, the thought of, you know, catching another flat at mile 175 in the middle of the night in the dark when Allie and I were already just like mentally and emotionally spent um, was horrifying. (laughs) So, you know, for our own safety also, I mean, you know, it was dark. There wasn't a lot of people out. Um, You know, we, we were just like, I think this is the time that we pull the plug. It gives us an opportunity to see Christina finish it gives us an opportunity to rest and not have to be on our bike for another four hours. Um, so yeah, it, it was, it was tough. It was a very difficult decision. Allie and I went back on that for about a good 20 minutes, but, um, you know, we, we got as far as we could. Um, and we're proud of that. Yeah. You guys did awesome. And That's- Christina, you, I read a Facebook post, uh, that, that you wrote about the event. It sounds like you had some of the same sort of mental challenges, uh, going on in that uh, in that last 50 miles, where where you were uh, saying that that you even had thoughts of of giving up at, at, at one point, but 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 didn't. Yeah. To, to talk us through that, what was it that made the difference, and and uh, you know, and how do you feel now, having obviously made the decision to stick with it and finish maybe one of the toughest races in the country? Um, yeah, I have to say that that stretch between the second and third checkpoint, um, it's about 60 miles and probably 50 miles of that was straight into a headwind Mm. that was about like 15 mile per hour average with gusts in the twenties. Yeah. I don't like the sound of that. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So just that, like you're out there alone, like people are either like barreling past you or just like dying on the side of the road. And go, doing that on gravel uphill into a headwind was just so painful. And I have to say, I didn't have cell phone coverage at that point. And I'm kind of glad I didn't because my only choice was to just keep going. Because um, it was really soul-crushing. And <laughs> to think that I had like 30 more miles of that till I got to the next checkpoint. Yeah. Um, it was, yeah, it was tough. Definitely tough mentally. And I would say, like, I, that's probably one of my strengths is I'm a pretty, like, I'm able to get out of my head and just, you know, repeat little mantras to myself to keep going. And that was just like, oh, God, this just keeps going. What, uh, <laughs> what mantra was working for you, just out of curiosity? <laughs> um, 
just like I can do this. Just keep going. Just keep going. Well, congratulations to you both. Let me let me ask you this: when you when you finished the race and you you guys I guess spent the night up there, you got in the the car and then drove all the way back down to New Orleans in one stretch, right? Um, we actually drove to Memphis to stay at Ali's parents' house for okay. the night. Um, it was only an eight-hour drive, and then drove up to New Orleans uh, today. So yeah, now, so we actually only got back about two hours ago, yeah. I think. So now, how hard was it to get out of the car in Memphis after doing that race, then sitting in a car <laughs> for eight hours? <laughs> uh, it was pretty hard. I mean, the the promise of a soft bed and um, not having to see our bikes for a few hours was really great. Yeah. Um, and I think that's what pro that's what like really pushed us to just get the hell out of the car. <laughs> um, and food, and food. Yeah. Oh man, food, we food, yeah. A giant pile of barbecue that we ate, which was pretty yeah. amazing. Yeah, so that was definitely the, the biggest drivers of um, why we were able, able to even get out of the car. Otherwise, we probably would have slept in there. So, but, uh coolest thing that happened to you guys off the bike on the trip what would you say it was um i think the coolest thing was um so we went to a panel called um a seat at the table and it was about women cycling and how to you know kind of get more women not just on the bike but also doing things like dirty kanza which are pretty you know heavily attended by men and that are you know i mean when, when we found out we were doing Dirty Kanza, the responses that we got were twofold. People were either really stoked for us and really excited, or people told us it was hard. <laughs> and I, my response to it's, well, oh, that's tough, and oh, it's difficult, was no kidding. I <laughs> know it's hard. I'm not taking this race lightly. I've been, you know, like Christina Alley and I trained for months. We, you know... It wasn't something that we were going to just do for fun. It was right. a, a big endeavor for us. So for people to tell us it was hard or to say, oh, that's a difficult race, was really, um, it was really disheartening because, you know, it, it was a question of would you have said that to a group of three men who told you they were going to race this race? And they talked about that at this at this um, panel that we went to about how, you know, women have, you know, there's this tendency to not invite women into the conversation and to not think about whether or not we want to do these kinds of things. And so the panel itself was great. Um, they had some really good speakers. And one of the women um, actually works at Specialized. So we left the panel. We went to, you know, do a few things at the expo, which was right across the street. And then we were going to head back to the house um, that we were staying at. And we got stopped by this video team that was doing kind of like follow-up questions for Specialized. Mm -hmm. And so they asked us, you know, they were like, are you guys racing? And the three of us that were racing were like, yes, we are. And then we showed, we pointed out our support crew too. And um, they interviewed us for this kind of like follow-up piece that Specialized is doing about women at Kanza. And, you know, I think that was, that was probably the coolest moment because you know, one, we got interviewed, so we're going to be in some cool specialized video somewhere. But also we got to just talk about what it was like to be a woman in cycling and to, what it's like to start, you know, to, to train and, and to put yourself in a position where you're you're ready for this very uncomfortable, difficult race. You know, um, and I think that was, you know, one of the coolest things that really came out of um, the weekend was being able to really talk about 
on a really public platform um, why we do what we do as racers and as supporters. So uh, that was really cool. So hopefully we get to see that soon. Yeah, no, yeah. that's great. Um, yeah, and I have to say, like, I didn't find out about Dirty Kanza until about two or so years ago, and it was a little after they started the 200 Women, 200 Miles initiative, um, where they reserved 200 spots for women for the race right. last year. Um, and just, you know, when they came out with that initiative and reading about it and how tough it was, it was just like, yeah, like, I want to do that. I know I can do it if I put in the work. Mm-hmm. And that event, like Dirty Kansas, really well put on. I was impressed by the expo, the tops, the movies that they had, and just um, how everything was organized throughout the race itself. Mm-hmm. Like it was great. Let me Absolutely. ask you. Let me ask you this. You guys, uh, I, I know, got a Twitter invitation to go have tequila shots with uh, Ali Tetra <laughs> after the race. Did yeah. that? Did that happen? Yeah. No. no, I don't think we've made it quite in time, <laughs> nor do I think we could have like kept it down. I mean, it's, like, we were so tired by the end of the race. Like, you know, you would roll through checkpoints and force yourself to eat. I mean, the three of us have sworn off gels for like at least a month. Yeah. I mean, you're consistently eating your you're you're eating every we, we we time it so we would be eating about every 30 minutes you take in the gel or you eat a little bit and at some point i was just like i'm not hungry i cannot eat but i need to shove this down my mouth and i hate it i hate everything <laughs> nothing tastes good i just want to get off my bike but um yeah if if she had handed me a shot of anything <laughs> other than water or like electrolyte powder i would have like thrown up in her face and i'm sorry like i don't that not in a mean way i just mean like i cannot keep food down at that point well, um speaking and also of, she followed she finished like i don't know yeah i was gonna say i guess hours. i guess her after the race was uh <laughs> quite a quite a few hours uh before your after the yeah. race yeah yeah well, speaking sure. of, speaking of gels, did you guys uh, happen to get a sneak sneak peek and a sneak taste of the new goo flavor that uh, Yuri talked about on the podcast last uh, two weeks ago? I'm, 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 I'm hearing some some rumors of a uh, French French toast flavored goo. Although Bodhi thought it was French roast. Um. Oh, you know what? That would be actually kind of good. Mm-hmm. No yeah. French roast. Like I a mean, coffee. we already have that coffee goo, so that's true. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, Christina. You have the French toast goo. It was, uh, it's exactly like French toast. It's like, oh, maple syrup and cinnamon. Yeah. I have one if anyone wants it. They get it for free. Um, yeah, I just found it in my, in my bag. Um, it is French toast, naturally flavored energy gel. Um, it is cool because it gives money back to NECA, which is the National Interschol- Interscholastic Cycling Association, which helps get gets more kids on bikes. Yeah. Um, and apparently the kids are the ones who decided upon the flavor. So but when I, you went to the goo tent, they like let you taste the mystery flavor and you had to decide what it was. And then um, if you if you uh, guessed correctly, they'd give you one, but they just gave us all one anyway. Um, I'm, I'm yeah. hearing I'm hearing mixed mixed reviews on the mixed reviews on the uh, on the taste of it though is, is what I'm gathering from the two of you. Mm, actually, uh, pretty good. I just yeah. don't think I can eat anything sweet for a while. Yeah. Yeah, and also I I don't um, I'm not a huge sweets person on the bike anyway. 
So the idea of eating this during the race um, was not going to happen. <laughs> it was just like a hard no. Um, but I, I can see the appeal of it um, maybe on like a, I don't know, a 30-mile recovery ride or something. All right. Yeah. Well, hang on to one for me. I'd love to try it. Yeah. Oh, yes. I will I will save it for you, Townsend. Um, I'm not going to fight you for it. <laughs> so, so when does enrollment open for next year? Um, so they, they opened the lottery in December of 2017 and then picked, and then told you what the names, right? I think, right, Christina? Was it December? Yeah. I think it was. Yeah, I think um, was December, and then like January, they mm-hmm. sent out the confirmation emails. Yeah. No, I think Matt's um, asking when it opens for next year. Mm. Yeah, yeah, so I'm saying it's probably going to follow the same. Yeah. Oh, I got um, you. Okay. Yeah. Same, yeah. So, so yeah, mark your mm-hmm. calendars, guys. Yes. Maybe we can all sign up as a team. Sounds yeah. great. Well, hey, let me just say, guys, and I mean this in all sincerity, um, that it is truly uh, a, a an honor to be on the same race team as the three of you guys. And um, I, I, I don't, I, I just don't even know how to put that into into any better words than that. You guys have been a real inspiration uh, for our whole team and our whole club and and watching you guys up there uh, and following you on social media um, and now talking to you about the trip. Uh, I just, I can't say enough uh, about um, what an awesome group you guys are and, and how much uh, you bring to this club and this team. And I really thank you for it, truly. Yeah, great thank job you. out there. Um, thank you so much. And also your, um, I guess, you know, you guys want to give a, give some shout outs to your support crew that went with you? Oh my gosh. Yes. <laughs> they were um, amazing. So good. So great. Um, yeah. so we had, um, Emily, um, visit, uh, Sarah Smith and Lily Stagg who are amazing people. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm still really confused as to why they came with us because I don't know why someone, I don't, I, I just don't get it. I, I, <laughs> um, I'm still really confused by it, but um, they were amazing. Every, every stop we rolled through, you know, the first thing they do was grab our bikes. What do you need? What's your food? Do you need something? What else? Where, like, they knew where the bathrooms were. They knew where everything was that we would possibly need. And they took such good care of us. And, you know, um, they... I, I genuinely, honestly don't think we could have gotten through the race without them. Um, yeah. They were so important. Um, their support and their love and their positivity kept us moving so many times. And I, I, I think um, it's so important to have a support crew that that isn't just about support and that they're feeding you food, but like emotional support and mental support and just literally being one of the few things that's keeping you up and keeping you moving when you're like, I just want to sit down and put my bike (laughs) on the car and go home. Yeah. When I rolled into checkpoint three, I was so done. Like just having like done 50 miles into a headwind uphill. I was just like, I'm done. And Emily was like, it's only 40 more miles. You can do this. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I know I can, but that doesn't mean I should. <laughs> like, no. Yeah, and, um, sorry, Christina, go ahead. No, that's it. Oh, 
I also want to say they made signs for us. Yes. That, like, mark cars so we know where to go. But we're also, like, personalized and, like, inspirational. And when I first yeah. saw that at Checkpoint 1, like, I kind of started crying. Because one of them was my dog, and it said that she believed in me. <laughs> it was the biggest sign. That yeah. Make. It was so great. Um, and honestly, you know, I, I know that you think us, Townsend, but um, this community is probably um, the only reason why I did that race. Um, I started bike racing and riding my bike more consistently um, because of semi-tough and, um, you know, getting more stoked about riding in any way other than just as a, as a way of commuting because of semi-tough. And, you know, we, I have heard so much great things about how supportive our community is. You know, some people have been floored by the fact that three of our friends just came to Kansas with us out of the goodness of their hearts to help support us. Like, People didn't have that. And so to think that, you know, this is something that just comes along with our community mm-hmm. is amazing. It's it's something that you we don't, you know, like there are bigger communities where, you know, they have 20 different bike shops and all of these cool things going on, but they don't have the community that we have where we are tight-knit, we care about one another, we're supportive. And I think that that really is what cont- makes me, Ali and Christina, want to push ourselves is knowing that we have the support of a community like the one here in new orleans all right well thanks for that i appreciate it yeah thank you and 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 i agree it uh i suppose the 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 sort of trite way to put it is that it's all about the love right Mm -hmm. yeah for sure yeah i mean i'm still confused as to why they came (laughs) why (laughs) I don't know, but yeah, it was great. It was absolutely fantastic. Well, I'm sure we'll have uh, plenty more to talk about. Um, oh, I do have one big, most important question. Oh, Matt, well, we're going to close out with Matt's most important question. Okay, very quickly. It's a yes or what? no answer. Aero TT bars and gravel races. No. no. All right. There you have it. Purists right yeah. here. Um. Yeah, no. <laughs> uh, I just, I saw a few people well, I, yeah. on them, and um, I just, you know, you need so much control on your bike when you're yeah. racing gravel, and you're going at speed, and there are a lot of people next to you, and it scares me. Um, and this, this is this is some pretty gnarly gravel in places, right? I mean, some oh, of yeah. this is really, yeah. really hard. Some of it's nice and, yeah, some of it's nice and packed, and it's easy to roll through. Some of it's big chunky pieces that you cannot control your bike unless you are on your hoods like pushing you know and and yeah. and to think that you know you're gonna there are there are opportunities for you for you to use your arrow bars but i mean i just i don't know i don't think it really i don't think i i would i wouldn't have them for the next race yeah that, that way. Think, yeah especially with the number of people who did that race like i passed yeah. at least two really terrible looking crashes Mm. And I think it's just too much maneuvering around mm-hmm. rough terrain, potentially yeah. around people. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, guys, welcome home. And thank you. Thanks for representing uh, this awesome cycling community uh, up there and doing something that uh, nobody else from down here has uh, has done. And um, you guys rock. And thanks for coming on the podcast and talking about it. Thanks for having us. Yeah.
Thank you. And now guys. it's uh, time to time to come back out to the club ride and start uh, just riding your <laughs> riding your bike like regular folks again. <laughs> yeah, um, I'll be out there on my touring bike, um, full with panniers and um, maybe a six pack of beer in the front. So Sounds good. That's, yeah, that's me. All right, that's we'll my see new you life. Saturday. <laughs> All right. Okay. Thanks, guys. Good night. Good night. Bye. Good night. Hammer time. Go with the flow. It is said if you can't rule the list, you probably are dead. So wave your hands in the air. Bust a few moves. Run your fingers through your hair. This is it. For a winner, dance to this, and you're going to get there. The move. Slide your up. Just for a minute. Let's all do the bump. Bump, bump, bump. Yeah. Can't touch this. So while we're doing gravel in the States, over in Europe, they were not smashing the gravel, but they were hammering it. And uh, Hammer Limber, Hammer Series Limber. Yeah. Did you guys watch that? Uh, I got to watch a li little bits and pieces of it. I didn't get to watch the whole thing. I just got to watch sort of parts of um, each day. Yeah, I watched the Hammer Climb, which was the first of the three events. And uh, that was really about it. Yeah. Um, Bahrain Merida won that one. Yeah, they had a guy who was off the front for quite a bit. I don't know the guy's name. Um, Young rider, right? Uh, Mark, uh, I'll cut that in. <laughs> yeah, got starts with the M. Um, also, Wellens was, was bossing it that day. Pretty pretty good for the first few laps. He was up there um, one for the first three or four, you know, getting first or second. Are you guys ready for a super hot take? Sure. Yeah. Tim Wellens is my new favorite rider and Lotto Sudal is my new favorite team. Get in line, buddy. Oh, okay. Wait, am I late to that party? Oh, yeah. You not, do you not listen to Slow Ride Podcast? Oh, no. Seriously? <laughs> yeah. No, oh, they're... shit. <laughs> Super Rookie's all about Tim Wellens. Uh, also, our friend Dustin Judis has been talking about t Tim Wellens for a while, too. So. Well, I don't care about Dustin Judis because he doesn't have a podcast, but if the Super Rookie beat me to it, man, I'm really kind of hurt now. Yeah. But, but yeah, Tim Wellens is awesome. How can you not? Who, like, who doesn't like Tim Wellens? Yeah. Um, I did see that uh, Caleb Ewan won the first sprint in the climb. Yeah. Mm. And then promptly went off the back. Well, got his work done early. I guess he had to survive. He had to finish the race for your points to count. So I don't know yeah. if he finished. But uh, overall, Quick Step won the weekend. Um, yep. I was able to. I watched the time trial thing, mm. and it wasn't quite as exciting as last year. There was some traffic, though. There was there. a there were some sections where it definitely was traffic. Um, there was a rider who rode right completely off the road and like almost pulled a Hoogerland, <laughs> and then yeah. was just like done. Some guy on uh, Israeli Cycling Academy. Yeah, guy. it was weird because it didn't look like there was anything. There wasn't any. They were on a perfectly straight section road. Yeah, he just kind he suddenly of suddenly just veered off happened. to the right. Um, one of the Cannondale guys got a flat like the first ten meters. Oh God! And we're just like done. He just like stopped and like went back to the van, you know. So here's the shitty thing for the Hammer series, and we talked about this on last week's podcast a little bit. It's like that first finish, that first TT finish mm -hmm. in the year one first ever Hammer series event yeah. was so awesome that it's never going to be that good again, and they'll never be able to live up to that finish again. Maybe, maybe we'll see. Uh, we've still got one more this year later on. Yeah, in Hong so Kong. They, so, so they had two in a row, and then they've got Hong Kong at the end. Yeah. Curious to see if it's the same uh, squads that go there, or is uh, it like that'd it, be interesting if it's the same teams that show up for it. Um, yeah, yeah. Do, what do I what? Mean, I think they, all the Velon uh, sort of organization teams. They are contractually teams. obligated. Well, I mean, to like help. the same 
people. Oh no, I think that, no, it'd that, be different people. They they were different people between these yeah. two. So yeah. What, I mean, what are just, they, what do you win when you win the hammer? I hope you win a giant Money. hammer. <laughs> Money. It's I guess it's also not a world tour race, so you're not getting any points for the world tour rankings. No, no. no. But I, th- I mean, I think that so I think that's a pretty sizable payout so it's for the kind team. Kind of like the a uh, uh, world tour gravel grinder without the gravel. But it's like outside the system, right? Kind of, I guess. I don't know. I mean, yeah, there's no sanctioning body for this thing, is there? UCI's not. In, is the UCI involved with it in any way? That's a good question. I don't know. I don't know either. I don't think so. Yeah. So there you go. Look at that. Twentieth century fox. She's up. Twentieth century fox. No tears. No fears. No ruin. Years. No clock. All right. Uh, yeah, so that was going on. And then, of yeah. course, busy weekend. And then Dauphiné started yesterday. Yeah. Um, and uh, started with a prologue. A really short prologue. Yeah. Four 6K? Miles. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think a prologue has to be 8K or less, I think, is the, is the rule. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, so they got things started with that. Um, my cycling man crush, Michal Kwiatkowski, uh, won that. Um, and his teammate, Garrett Thomas, crashed, which he wants to do. Uh, yeah, that's. I mean, he I doesn't mean, want to do that, but he, he often. He seems to have. A he's lot pretty of, crashy. He's fairly crashy. Yeah. yeah. In a TT too, it's like not like he was, was raining and it was a sprint stage. It was yeah. just you know solo by himself and yeah. went too fast. Yeah, went too um, fast. Um, I guess he'd looked good up to that point, huh? And uh, <laughs> well, he's on my fantasy squad. Yeah. Well, he's he's on my fantasy. squad You have too. the entire Fox Channel, I believe, I on have, your squad, yeah. don't you? Yes, Twenty First Century Fox and Friends <laughs> is my uh, is my team. I have the entire Sky Squad along with Mark Soler and Adam Yates. And uh, right today, now, you're winning. I am currently leading. Uh, yeah, so it's working out well. Working out pretty well. Who who won today's stage? I didn't see. Um, oh, the, who won the stage? Daryl Impey won. Daryl Impey, yeah. Oh, interesting. But Kwiatkowski was up there, so he keeps the lead. And uh, I get a ton of assist points uh, for <laughs> Kwiatkowski, having all his team on there. And uh, you also mentioned, Matt, the team time trial that's coming up. If right. Sky wins that, you're really... Uh, yeah, because if, if they win that, they'll all win that stage, and they'll all get assist points for everybody else on the team. I don't... I don't think you get assist points <laughs> yeah, in the team TT. I think one person will be a stage winner. What's the team time trial? They're all assisting each other. <laughs> and then I think they each will maybe get... That's Actually, I don't know how that works. I'm, I'm curious to see that how that plays out. Actually, they won't all win because they will mark it as who came across the line uh, in what order. So they won't all win, but they could theoretically get uh, one through seven. Podium on, points. On, yeah. Anyway, but we'll Damn see it. we'll see how that bold strategy plays out uh, this week. I also like how you totally snaked my idea of picking all of Movistar, which I announced I was going to do on the podcast. Well, actually, I guess I didn't say I was going to pick all of them. Yeah, but I did say I was going to pick the, the, the uh, top Los four. Galacticos. Yes, of Movistar. 
Yeah, but so, that's coming for the tour, right? That's coming for the tour. But yeah. now all of a sudden it doesn't feel nearly as novel <laughs> now that well, you've done it with Sky. It's still going to be a bold statement, I think. Bodie, I know you got to get out of here soon, but before you go, you wanted to talk about... Uh, I just want to uh, talk about that I'm in second place in the Vell Games League right now. You are. Second out of seven. Yeah. Townsend, you are sixth. Mm. Thank you. Watch out for the Bodie Bodie team. Yeah. Yes. Team director, <laughs> Doffing Street Quit, Quit Squad. Yeah. 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 Okay. Um, right. Other pro news? Mm. Any other races going on? You talked about some crits in uh, oh, yeah. Oklahoma City? Yeah, we had some crits in the, the Oklahoma City Classic Pro-Am crit weekend. Um, you know, just some good USA crit TV action. Had mm-hmm. that on the background most of the weekend. Uh, the Friday night race uh, looked really cool. Like, I wanted to go and take photos. There was a few shots that they had where the riders were all backlit on the top of a hill and there was a big mm. street light behind them and mm-hmm. then a tree hanging over. So like it blocked the street light, but created a perfect silhouette of all these riders. Yeah. And, uh, I was pretty stoked to see the photos come out of that race and they did not disappoint. So, so this is in downtown Oklahoma city, I guess so. Yeah. And then Tulsa tough is coming up this weekend. Yeah. So I think a lot of riders are kind of just sticking around that area. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really want to go to Tulsa tough next year. You've been before. I went a couple of years ago. Um, I didn't race, but I went with the Palmer cycling team and was shooting some video. Um, and I'd like to actually go back and try and be Cat 3 uh, pack fodder. Mm. It's uh, Cry Baby Hill. Is that right? This oh, is... gosh. I don't know if I'm going to last on that stage, but there's, that's, the, that's the last uh, race on Sunday. There's so they, f- they don't all use the same course? No, three different courses. Uh-huh. Uh, two are, they're all very close to each other yeah. um, in the downtown uh, Tulsa area. That's cool. But there's a Friday night race and then a Saturday kind of all day into evening and then the Sunday morning afternoon race. Yeah. Um, but the so Cat the- 3 field fills up in like a minute. Yeah. So they announce like when registration and I've got to like be right there hitting refresh and then sign up. So, mm-hmm. but I think we should go. It's, it's a pretty awesome experience. I mean, hearing... Hearing everybody talk about uh, Dirty Kanza just kind of reminded me of other cycling events that we go to, like nationals or just big races and um, or World Cups. And it's always it's always fun to go to these large events with a lot of people. And uh, Tulsa Tough is definitely one of those things you really want to go to. Just it's a it's like the atmosphere that we wish we could have for a Harbor Master Crit Townsend. Yeah. Um, but so it's a Friday night crit, and then the the Saturday Sunday is uh, their circuit races, or they're all crits. All crits. All crits. Okay. Yep. Mm. Awesome. All right. Well, good deal. We uh, are actually now gonna swap you out, Bodie, for uh, for our buddy uh, Adam Abramowitz from uh, Kind Human. We're gonna give him a buzz and get a quick interview with uh, Adam. We do have some news that we're gonna be revealing this evening about our Pontchartrain Beach Summer Series. That's I'm sorry right, that coming you up. won't be here for that interview, yeah. Bodie, but uh, we'll some good news. Take, care to, take care to talk about it, and uh, we will uh, bid you farewell and get some appropriate segue music for Bodie's exit stage left. <laughs>
All right, well, uh, guys, we are here welcoming Adam Abramowitz to the podcast. Adam, how are you? Uh, I'm great that you pronounced my last name as uh, as fluidly and perfectly as you did. Wow, well, thank you. <laughs> are, 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 do you do you get other uh, pronunciations of that? Yeah, so um, throughout my life, I've heard Abrahamowitz, um, Abrahamowski, Abramowitz. Like they always try and throw in a, a heme, uh, a ham, or a ski in there, but there aren't many. <laughs> yeah, but. Uh, that's yeah. that's the name of all three of the Beastie Boys, I think. Uh, the original, <laughs> their original names, right? Yeah, that's right. Uh, so, uh, Adam, you are well. Tell us about yourself. You are a one third of the ownership conglomerate of Kind Human Bicycles. Is that right? That is correct. Yeah, I actually I started the brand. Uh, man, this is going back so ten years ago, and we were. Much like Semi Tough, we were a cycling club uh, before we were ever a bike company. Wow! And uh, when the company, when the club started to kind of fizzle a little bit because we were all getting to that age, we were getting married and, and having kids, and guys stopped racing and girls stopped racing. Uh, I I had left a bike company that I was uh, working at at the time, and I had a friend who owned a shoe company called Tom Shoes, who was mm-hmm. our, our club's title sponsor. And I had this idea that a company like Tom Shoes could potentially exist in the the bike world. And uh, a couple years after that, I serendipitously met my partner Gavin, and he was looking to to invest and in, in become a part of the bike company, bike industry. He actually wanted to start a bike shop, and he really liked my brand, but he had the business know how. And he said to me, "I'm going to start a bike shop. You're going to help me with that, since you've worked at bike shops, you know, your whole life." Uh, I, you want to start a bike company, I want to be your first customer. So let's help each other out. Wow. And uh, excuse me, about a year into that, we both kind of said, well, what are we doing here? Let's, why don't we just do the same thing? And uh, I'd say after our second year of business, we made our first employee, Ayala Rahat, who's, uh, I, I say this and I, I, I mean it, he, I mean, he builds every bicycle that we sell. Uh, he is uh, the best mechanic I've ever bore witness to. And I've worked with many, many talented ones. Um, and uh, he's been with us for a long time, so we've recently made him a partner in the business as well. That's great. So Kind Human, you're saying, was actually the name of your cycling club? Yeah, so when Tom Shoes, we used to be called Team Tom Shoes. And this is and Tom's when, that, uh, you know, buy a pair of shoes and donates a pair of shoes to uh, buy one, needy get kids. One, yeah. yeah, you okay. got it. All right. right, buy one, get one. And they obviously they blew up. Uh, Blake was on a... A visa commercial within I don't know two years of them starting the business, and yeah, that's a pretty amazing you know, story. Mm-hmm. It it really is, it really is. But obviously, like you know, a, a fifty to a hundred person because we had a, it was a pretty big club uh, at the time. It wasn't really driving. We weren't the the marketing force driving their success. Uh, so we we kind of parted ways, and it was amicable. And you know, that's that's when Kind Human Sports evolved. Uh, and it was kind human sports up until we were just kind human bicycles. Yeah. So were you guys uh, racing bikes together? I mean, you had a race team. Is your is your is your cycling story include a stint doing amateur racing, or were you doing more club? Oh riding? yeah. Yeah, it was uh, it was a lot of amateur racing, but it was um, it was more like a club than anything else. I mean, our, our kind of our motto was. Uh, 
no dicks allowed for lack of a, a better phrase i don't know if we can swear on this show absolutely sure. but you can. it was yeah. yeah we were kind of you know when i got back into to racing and riding bikes you know it was after college and i was in los angeles and there was a, a small you know nook in the community there that was pretty kind and welcoming but for the most part it was kind of that elitist roadie right. mentality and you know within a few months after i got my legs back on me and i learned how to ride a bike again you know and i could hang on to rides it was kind of like i don't need these guys anymore and you know i wanted to find other people that were like-minded like me that weren't necessarily out there because we had a bunch of money and had fancy italian sounding bikes and clothing you know i had a 900 hundred dollar bike and i could still hang on the group rides and i wanted to have fun and it, that's what it should be and i wanted to find other like-minded people and that wanted to have fun and race and be good ambassadors for for riding and it's around that time that i i discovered cyclocross as well and it was just kind of a, a perfect you know niche for this club to evolve into was cross i met you know a guy i got married in new orleans and you know before i ever moved here i don't know if you guys knew that and mm -mm. one of my groomsmen was a guy by the name of ryan dudek who's i i don't know if he'd let i'm not going to say and i'm not going to give away his secret identity on the internet but for a while there he was pretty internet famous um that sounds but it was intriguing this, yeah i'll <laughs> tell you guys that over beer sometime <laughs> okay. but um but ryan you know he was in my wedding but he and his wife jen were big drivers in the club and and helped you know grow it we had riders all over the country we had riders in uh, uh kansas we had riders in california we had riders in chicago dc philadelphia uh the carolinas we actually had a rider who was living in Girona, spain but he was based out of the uk originally and it was just this weird amalgam of kind of like it was punk rock bike racing but we weren't you know we, it was punk rock bike racing is exactly what it was but we were nice kids yeah and this is give us date this a little bit what sort of time frame are we talking about here so this would be 2008 2009 until i would say 2012 is when it started to kind of peter out because you know the babies and all that stuff started happening yeah see that's the mistake but, you made we we the semi-tough cycling club we waited till we were all old and slow and already had kids <laughs> to start the cycling club <laughs> yeah so well, what's it, really what's really funny townsend that you say that is that now i'm getting messages from the guys and they're getting back into it so like matt bartlett who was one of the long time him and his twin brother long time members of the club he's like hey i want to get a new bike you know can are you guys still doing steel bikes can i get one like let's let's do this so it's it's pretty cool and one of the you know we had a bike shop sponsor based at we had a couple bike shop sponsors but one of them was based out of laytonsville maryland so like local to the dc crew and now he sells our bikes which is really cool i think he's got three orders coming which is huge i mean it's it's really cool to come full circle that way yeah well you can tell these guys we've got just the club forum now you know the uh they'd fit perfectly with the uh with the semi-tough cycling club they got you know kids trying to get yeah. back into cycling yep well that's you, I, you I, sell I, them a bike and uh we'll get them hooked up with a kit I, uh, so I, I want to join and I'm, I'm like my, my fingers on the, the button. I want to become a member of the semi tough club. Um, because it is, you know, after getting to meet all y'all and spend some time with you at the, what was the last cross race? The one that was in the park, Marty cross. Yeah. Marty cross, you know, this, that's exactly what this club was. You know, it was, it was a bunch of, you know, friends essentially getting together, having fun, riding really hard. 
but you know it wasn't you know, there was no there was no ego you know what i mean yeah um and that's that's kind of what it's all about it's like removing the ego from bike racing to some degree yeah, yeah. i think you know with with certainly with a semi-tough group it's i don't think uh any of us have any visions of turning pro uh in the next uh, year so i think it's still you know we're all amateur racers nobody's doing this to make any money um you know, we just all want to stay fit and have fun and, uh, you know, have some healthy competition as well. Although, well, I we, mean, we would love to hear the story of how this uh, segued from a cycling club into a bicycle brand, because building bicycles seems like something kind of cool to do. Well, yeah. I'll, first, before I get to that, though, if you'll allow me for one second, please, here's here's why Semi Tough is doing it right. Don't you guys have a beer sponsor? Yes. I mean... <laughs> Do you have a coffee sponsor too? I guess Roulet, right? I guess I suppose for for uh, uh, Roulet would be our would be our de facto coffee sponsor. Sure. Yep. What more do you need? I mean, that's pretty much the hippest club around. Well, we need a donut sponsor. If you're if <laughs> if the question's not rhetorical, <laughs> then the answer is certainly donut sponsor. Yeah. Uh, well, and I, possibly I pizza is... sponsor. So I'll make pizza. If you guys, I tell you what. So when we build the house in Abita. I know that's a long trek for for all you, you South South Shoreians. I we, don't know if we that's come and ride the uh, the North Shore uh, every so often. So we'll have to do a, a North Shore ride, and like I told my wife, I want to build a, a brick pizza oven in the backyard. So mm-hmm. we go get knackered on the ride, then come back and you know go to the brew pub, which will be like a mile and a half from the house up the trace. Yeah, come back. And then I'll just, I'll make pizza. I'll be the pizza sponsor. Well, well Adam, you don't know this, uh, but the <laughs> Semi-Tough Cycling Club actually kind of started doing a lot of North Shore rides at one point in time. That was, you know, I'm not going to really? say that was our uh, ethos or anything, but we definitely were, were up on the North Shore quite a bit in the early days of the club yep. um, until it got to sort of be, you know, too many people to, to, to shuttle over there on a regular basis. But we used to... Uh, try to get over there at least once a month and we've often thought about trying to reinvigorate that so perhaps you're building a house with a pizza oven um right (laughs) right on the tammany trace will be exactly the momentum that we need to get us back over there more often i think that would definitely entice a lot of people if you build if you build it they will eat yes (laughs) yeah so I'm, i'm trying to discover the routes up here but i've been i've been kind of stuck i live right next to some some private hunting grounds actually i don't know if it's private or, or public or not but i go out there anyways and i try and make sure i go when people won't be hunting um and it's gorgeous riding because there's there's not a car in sight there's nobody out there you might see a wild boar might see an old guy in camouflage with his you know four by four or whatever but it's it's gorgeous i want to find a way to link them all together because they're all over up here yeah that, and this is this all um dirt gravel roads yeah, all dirt gravel. It was a little sandy the last time I got out because we hadn't had rain in like two weeks, but yeah. we've had some rain come down, so that kind of tampers it down a bit. Well, the, the only thing, the only problem right now is the horse flies. But okay, oh, sorry, town. No, no, no. I was gonna say, uh, I, I was gonna invite you to continue on with the with the story about how a cycling club ended up uh, making quality bicycles. Yeah. So we, I guess I at the time. I envisioned being able to do this. And at the time there were a lot of startup bike brands popping up all over the place. And a lot of these guys, you know, I'd get on the phone with them and I tried to work deals for them to be sponsors of the company, but 
rarely did they did they have necessarily a know how to do it. And I'm not saying that I'm a carbon fiber uh, engineer, composite engineer, because I'm not, and I'm not an aerodynamicist. Um, but I've worked with those people in in my my jobs in the past and roles that I've played for other companies in the past. Um, and I have some experience with industrial design. Uh, you know, when I was a kid, Townsend, very few people have heard this story, but you know, I raced BMX bikes and I, I didn't come from a, uh, a super privileged upbringing other than being like this white dude, middle class, you know, lower middle class in the suburbs. But, you know, we weren't rich by any means. And my, uh, you know, I wrote, raced an old dyno for several years, and it was kind of a junky bike, but it's what we could afford. And I remember my dad saved up and, and bought me a Schwinn Foster Brothers, you know, alloy bike, and it was super rad and all that. But I used to send drawings and these super technical drawings at like 10 and 11 years old to Huffy and Magma, or Magma. And I'd mail them in and I'd say, like, look, if you just made these couple changes to the bikes, like, they'd totally be raceable. And if you kept them at the price points that you keep them at, then more people could race bikes and all my friends would be racing BMX with me, you know? And I never got letters back. So, you know, going back over 20 years, like, I've always wanted to be a bike designer. Um, So with some of the contacts that I had from prior gigs, um, I reached out to uh, a couple manufacturers and started ordering some open molds that they had just to test and see what they had and who was what and what was quality. And I spent a bunch of money and basically put team riders on them and told them to let me know what they thought and received feedback and kind of found out who, who were the good people to work with, who weren't. Right. Uh, um, and then and, it came this, down to... And I'm presuming this is manufacturers, what, in Taiwan or... Yeah, in yep. Taiwan and China. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a common misnomer that China's bad, um, but... Believe it or not, Taiwan is actually moving facilities to China just because they can. Um, yeah. it's, where it's, it's like the know-how came from Taiwan, but the facilities now are in China. Uh, our manufacturer has, right now has facilities in both. Um, and we've looked into, I mean, now we're getting kind of off in tangents. We've looked into manufacturing in the United States, and that might come back around. Um, you know, there's there's some, some cool things potentially in the works, but it, it's just very hard to do here. Um, but we, I reached out to an old friend of mine, his name's John Swanson. And I I hope he doesn't mind me saying his name, but we work together at specialized bicycles and, uh, we are both privileged to, um, (laughs) to have moved on. And he went on to be the, I believe the road product manager for giant. I think his first big project for giant bikes was the, the propel. And he's now with Fox, I believe. But I, you know, I, I reached out to him and I said, you know, none of the big guys want to work with us because we're too small. Mm-hmm. Um, and every, everything's a quantity game and a, a, a scale game in Taiwan and China and Asia, period. Um, but, you know, that's really where the know-how is and that's where the quality comes from at, you know, any type of scale that you want to produce. Otherwise, we're, we're selling bikes for eight grand. Right. Uh, starting price, starting point, which doesn't kind of fit with our, our ethos. Um, and he put us in touch with a, a, a great, a small and I want to say small they're like a medium sized factory but they produce for some of the other big names um, so they produce for probably about a dozen names that off the top of your head you've you've heard of before yeah um, and they've sort been of the, good all the brands except for you know specialized and giant and Trek sort of the mid-tier carbon yeah. fiber bicycle companies there's let's quite a few Canadian a couple American and, and a lot of uh you know, small Euro brands from, yeah. 
let's just say Northern Europe. So not, not necessarily the, the Southern Europe brands. Gotcha. Um, and they've been really, really good to us. Uh, you know, uh, we work with an agent that's, that's located there so they can, you know, flights back and forth are very tough. So they oversee all of our quality control. Um, and now we are, I mean, this doesn't really get to the story as to, to, to how this all came about, but basically it was trial and error. Um, it was finding the right people to work with. Um, it was it was testing the products ourselves, and especially under IL, because you know I, I, the other thing about IL is that he was a former professional racer in Europe. Um, so you know, as, as much as I think I know what a bike should feel like and how it should handle, um, mm-hmm. I, I can't put it through its paces like somebody like IL can. So, um, so Adam, when did you when did you actually produce your first kind human bicycle? The first official kind human bicycle was two thousand and. 13. Okay. Uh, I believe it was right shortly after uh, Gavin and I incorporated the business. We had already had the agreement with that. Gavin actually, he had an invite to my wedding and he skipped he skipped my wedding because he had to go to the factory for the final production meeting. Um, so we first heard about Kind Human down here. It was a number of years back. You met our buddy Matt Urchel and rumor has it you guys met over a drink at an airport bar. In LaGuardia. In LaGuardia, yeah. And, there was a guy. Uh, uh, yeah, so the, he was sitting two seats down at a pizza bar. And I, the guy next to me was looking at my computer talking about bikes. And as I'm looking at him, I see Matt looking at an Orbea ad on his computer. And it was like holiday time. And I think it was like a five-hour. I had like a five-hour layover. And, and flights were backed up. And we probably had three or four beers sitting there eating pizza, drinking beer, talking about bikes. And Matt's gone on to be one of our greatest ambassadors. And, uh, I mean, we've worked together on a number of projects. Yeah. Uh, it's, uh, yeah, crazy. But, yeah, he's a. Uh, that's where things got really small when he said that he used to date a girl from Pearl River. And I was like, yeah, I'm marrying a girl from Pearl River. <laughs> and, um, and, and for those of you that don't know, Pearl River is like, 700 inhabitants and that's not an exaggeration um so were you you the first were you making the kudu was that the first bike you made a cyclocross bike no. or were you making a road bike the first bike that we launched was the campion the original campion okay mm-hmm. and because as much as we wanted to be a part of cross uh we we did start the business in toronto and you know the cross market isn't super huge there we do have a retail storefront so we started with one road model, and then we started with three steel models, which are produced in the U.S., which we still offer. Uh, they're not on the site presently, um, but those are all made-to-order steel, uh, made out of Eugene, Oregon. Uh, so we did have a you know a classic road geometry steel bike, a I would say more of a touring cyclocross-style bike. Uh, I still have one in my my office right now. I raced it. It's fantastic. It's fun. But it wasn't the raciest bike. And then we had a, a hardtail 29er as well. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but, but fairly quickly, I guess you all started making cyclocross bikes because I know that... that, uh, that it was about a year. Okay. Yeah, it was, a, it was about a year. Um, we had the opportunity with the factory to do a tube-to-tube bike. And as opposed to doing a full or, you know, maybe two-part or three-part monocoque frame. Um, big common misnomers when you see full monocoque out there. Not very many people are actually doing a full mon- one-piece monocoque bike. Um, but uh, it's 
we had the option to do two two bike and and play around with the layup a bit more because we wanted to stick with cannies. Uh, the disc brake thing hadn't really taken off yet. Um, it was kind of like the early rumors of it. Yeah. But it was my goal to make a uh, a stiff as all get out, uh, tried and true, purpose built cross bike because. Even five years ago, the big companies, the bigger U.S. companies, weren't committing to making a cross bike. They right. were, and, and gravel wasn't a thing yet, but they had to make a, a light trail bike that could be ridden cross. So they were slacker geometries, lower bottom brackets. Mm-hmm. Where we wanted to do something that was unapologetically cyclocross, high bottom bracket, big triangles, super stiff. So like a kind of traditional European style cross yeah. bike. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's why we've we've. The people that have raced in Europe um, that have ridden our bikes tend to really, really enjoy it. You know, cue Adam Meyerson, Helen Wyman. Well, that's how I was going to segue into that. So, I mean, you've got, uh, you know, one very big name cyclocross racer on one of your bikes now. And and then, you know, to those of us who follow cross, Adam Meyerson, uh, at least over here in the States, uh, you know, big... uh, and racer i guess, I guess with having about? adam having uh, adam uh, uh riding on your bikes you're kind of obliged to keep canties going forever isn't, isn't right? <laughs> maybe so our uh our to believe it or not and there's a little bit of uh you know behind the curtain info our canny bikes outsold disc brake bikes every year up until last year ah. and they plateaued and this year they play. This is the first time that we've actually had candy bikes left over from the, the the year prior. Interesting. So we've seen we've seen the shift. And while like everybody on the internet's like, yeah, it's rad, thumbs up. It's cool to see a company doing a performance carbon candy bike. They're they're not buying them. You know, at the end of the day, they're buying they're buying disc brake bikes. Right. Um, we still believe in it. We still think that there's a purpose. And I'm I'm one that will always say, you know, I, I reference golf a lot of the time. You know, not. <laughs> When Tiger Woods or name that professional golfer, Rory McIlroy is uh, playing course X, you know, he might not bring a five wood, but another course he might, you know, so like I I could see it, but it's just it's too expensive of a sport to where you're going to have three candy bikes and three disc brake bikes. You know what I mean? Right. And then on top of that, a billion different wheel sets. Yeah. Um, And and so how did the how did the relationship with Helen Wyman come about? So, oh, so I think I should go back and tell you how the relationship with Adam came about first. Please to talk yeah. about Helen Wyman because there's it's it's weirdly uh, I don't want to incestuous is the wrong word but uh, the industry is but I, I worked with Adam uh, as a, uh, a sponsor through a distributor that I used to work for so we sponsored him with some of our house brand equipment and helped negotiate some of. Uh, his other, uh, you know, uh, other contracts with, uh, I think he was using, maybe it was Swiss Stop, I can't remember. Mm-hmm. But, uh, so I had a relationship with Adam for a long time. And when we first launched the company, we tried to get uh, Mountain Khakis, or I guess they were called Smart Stop at the time, on our Campio, and it didn't pan out. Um, but I had this relationship with Adam for a long time, got him on our bikes, and Next thing you know, I mean, Adam is probably one of the most well-known people in cyclocross, and people everywhere know who he is because he's been in the sport for so long. Uh, Adam's friends with Helen. Adam's, you know, used to coach Paige. Um, Helen is somebody who I reached out to at the same time with Meyerson when a friend of mine uh, 
okay, so <laughs> guys, you can't you, you can't do this to me. Now I'm going to get off on tangents. You know that we sell a bike called the Kinsuke, right? Yes. Well, that was, yeah, we, we were going to segue into what's up at Kind Human now, and that's your newest yeah. bike. Well, I, I'll tell you the, the, the story about the Kinsuke a little bit more, but um, I had a friend that, who was very sick, and he was a big cyclocross fan. And as he was uh, in hospice and everything like that, he was he wanted to make a, a fanzine for cyclocross. Um, and he asked if I could help. And I was like, well, I don't know about getting anything printed, but like I'll get some interviews for you. So I went out and I, you know, I talked to Georgia Gold. I talked to Myerson. I talked to, to Helen. And the first person to, to jump in and give me like a video interview uh, was Helen and, and wish Ken well wishes and everything like that, which I thought was really rad. Yeah. Um, but when I found out that Kona was dropping her and, and not continuing with the sponsorship, I was just kind of floored because uh, she's been with that brand for eight or ten years, something like that. And she is uh, one of, in my opinion, uh, one of the most marketable uh, figures in professional cycling and professional cyclocross, male, female, doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, she, she interacts with people. She's a positive person. She's a great role model, um, and she's always fighting near the near the top. And I think she's got this great comeback story after her injury a couple years ago. Um, so we reached out and we told her, like, look, we're a small company. We don't have a lot of money. We don't have any money, as a matter of fact. But we will find a way to work with you um, because you you deserve you deserve to be on bikes. You deserve to have a sponsorship. You deserve to be racing uh, a lot longer than you know just hanging it up because a sponsor couldn't pull through. Right. Sadly, we see that happen too often because there really is no money in, in cyclocross, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, for professional athletes. And we talked and we got on really well with them. And we know that there's a, a lot of potential for us to work together outside of the sport as well, outside of just racing. Um, and it was, it, you know, we just had her in town a month and a half ago, two months ago for Paris to Ancaster and spent the, the week you know, just hanging out at our, you know, our headquarters and the, the, the retail store in Toronto and going to, to rides and events. She volunteers so much of her time, you know, hosting clinics. You know, she doesn't get paid to do that kind of stuff. She just does it because she's Helen Wyman. And it's, it's just, it's what she does. And we need more people like that in the sport if it's going to continue to grow. Um, but yeah, that's, it, that was just the nature of it. We called and we said, look, we know that we're the small guy. Um, but we love you. We, we think you're great and we want to help if we can. And even if that means <laughs> you don't ride our bikes, if we can find you somebody else to ride and, and put in a good word, you know, let us know. That's awesome. But yeah. she is in fact riding one of your bikes. She, uh, she's, I'm assuming she's that's riding. a, uh, uh, I'm assuming that is the, uh, uh, kudu that she's riding. She's actually riding all three. I mean, she has a, a Campion disc right now, um, that she's doing a training camp up in the mountains with this week what does she race cross on oh she races cross on the kudu for okay sure. yeah i was gonna say yeah. oh yeah oh yeah yeah and uh she, she does have a kintsuke that that fantastic rainbow colored kintsuke that costs way too much money to paint <laughs> yeah that thing looks gorgeous it, it was fun yeah so did she win the british nats on a kind human or was she, she did yeah right she, she did yeah her i believe her 10th uh national championship on on the kudu so we, the Kudu has, uh, I, th I believe it has three national championships on it right now. That's right, because Adam is Meyerson's got a national right? uh, Masters right? champ. 
Yep. And our our Campione has uh our Campione has one Masters on it, at least one. It's got two collegiate on it. Uh a young girl. Well, I guess she's not young anymore. She's she graduated college. Uh, Jennifer Casado. She won two on it, back to back. Trying to think of any more national champ. That might be it. That wow. might be it. I think we were just shy on a women's masters a couple years back. Well, uh, my my colleague, Mister Kite, here rides a, a campion, and uh, he is. I am the Lambra four-man TT uh, Cat Four uh, reigning champion. There you go. Yeah. So although um, you didn't, gotta... you didn't win it on your campion, <laughs> no, did you? You no, borrowed. I, you borrowed, I borrowed a bike. For that. bike yeah. <laughs> we so won't... there's a re- yeah, there's we a won't... requirement of any national champions. That, oh, but you didn't win it on our bike. But no. when I when I make the TT bike, which I really want to do, and I gave that to you, and you win the Lambra TT series, I expect an autographed jersey that we can hang up in the HQ. Absolutely. I don't care. Yeah. I don't care if you have a professional contract or not. We want that. Matt uh, Matt raced the uh, the individual time trial on the Campione this year, but I don't think you uh, I don't think you want him discussing the results of his uh, ITT I did, this year. I did medal though. Yes, that's true. You did. <laughs> I was third out of three in there. You uh, go. in that. So yeah. Well, Adam, real Which, quick, because uh, I, I don't want to take you up your entire you evening, do. and we got we've got a agenda we got to move on to. I do want to talk. You mentioned uh, custom paint on the uh, uh, the Kensuke uh, that uh, you painted up for Helen Wyman. Uh, you guys are doing now custom paint on all of your Campions. Is that right? On yeah, well, the Kudus very soon as well. Um, yeah. So so every bike that we produce now. We are doing away with stock colors um, because what kills, I mean, this is partly as a necessity and partly because this is what we've always wanted to do. Yeah. We've, we've always wanted to offer custom options and the most personalized bike buying experience possible. That's part of what makes us kind human. Um, and, you know, that's the real markety, you know, speak there. But uh, partly out of necessity because, you know, it's not the production of the bikes that gets us hung up with factory orders. It's the painting. So if uh, brand X out of Idaho uh, places a uh, a big order that's much larger than ours, even if it's after hours, they will paint their bikes before ours, and we get kind of the crap end of the stick. Yeah, that that doesn't have to happen anymore because we're ordering just the the raw frames out of testing, and we're painting to order. And right now we're at about a two two and a half week timeline from when you order the bike, um, which most people are pretty cool with considering they got to pick the colors but yeah. we're hoping to get that down to one week as we grow the program that's great I mean, um, that's, that's so, pretty impressive for you know a custom paint job i mean you, you, yeah you basically guys uh, i know it's, i was looking at your you know your updated website and you have um you can basically choose from a selection i mean you've got a, a selection of colors that you can have for the for the actual frame and then also for the graphics right correct yeah it's, i think it's like 23 colors or maybe 22 altogether if you include like the raw carbon option mm-hmm. uh and then you have your choice of of matte or gloss finish right and you know if you want to do a, a custom color match so say that you have like your favorite old 7-eleven kit and you really want to match that red and green we can do that for a small fee because we you know we have to go and, and test it through whatever color matching mach- magic machine our painter uses yeah um and uh, you know, if you want to do fades, if you want to do, you know, two color fade, three color fade, 
Uh, if you want to do metallic, add some metallic into your fade or whatever you want to do. We're doing really epic pink to kind blue, as we call it. Uh, it's going to be a, a metallic pink to the kind blue for Alex Carlson, who races out of Massachusetts. That That's going to look yeah. really cool. Um, she's actually reversing it, so pink in the front on one, pink in the back on the other. Mm. Uh, and we're seeing a lot of that with Cross now is the reverse colors. So we're getting a lot of orders coming through, and they're like, I want to do green and black, but I want one bike to be black with green graphics. I want the other one to be green with black graphics. Yeah. Uh, so you could see the A and B bike right there. But we can virtually do anything. Well, uh, you know, well, it all speak- comes with a price. Yeah. <laughs> well, speaking of uh, custom paint, uh, yeah. Adam, we've got a, a big announcement, something that you and I have been talking about and working on for a while and waiting for an opportune time to uh, unveil it. And I think uh, I think this might be an appropriate time to do that. What do you think? Sure. Do you, why don't you do you want to go first? Yeah. So let me let me just uh, roll it out. Um, as uh, m- many or most, if hopefully not all of our listeners know, uh, Bodie and I are uh, promoting the Punch Dream Beach Summer Series uh, this summer, a four race Criterium Series on the New Orleans Lakefront. Starting first race on June 20th, uh, followed by races on June 27th, July 11th, and July 18th. Uh, Adam, you and I were talking about it uh, oh, a month and a half or so back, and, and you asked about how you could get involved, and one thing led to another. And uh, when what we have come up with uh, is a raffle to raffle off a custom-painted kind human campion frame that is uh, custom painted in the Pontchartrain Beach Summer Series colorway. And uh, first off, I just want to thank you for offering to help us out with that. And um, and and maybe if you want to talk about you've got the uh, we've got the website all set up and and uh, I think maybe you can point folks in the right direction and kind of let them know how that raffle is going to work and a few more details about the bike and uh, and what you uh, what you can win yeah so uh i took some inspiration from the logo which i i really love um and i, I didn't i didn't know that pontchartrain beach was like an actual like like a amusement park right it, yeah. is, it is no longer it is a it is a no longer historic uh, amusement park right. from the mm-hmm. 50s 60s and 70s and i love the logo and i love the idea of the sunset and everything like that and that was kind of the inspiration i took so we did the just a, a really smooth, clean, summery evening fade. Uh, we're calling it, uh, sun, what would I call it, Sunset Over Pontchartrain or something like that? I think so. Yeah, the Sunset yeah. Over Pontchartrain fade. Yeah, and it's just the, the, the yellow, orange, red really work with the, that navy blue that you picked out. Yeah. Uh, it's a it's a pretty striking bike. I really dig it. Um, it reminds me of like an old Transformer or NASCAR or something like that. But uh, we're going to be auctioning it off. Uh, and I should say raffling it off. Uh, raffle tickets are going to be $10 a ticket. You can get five tickets for 40 bucks. Uh, proceeds go to benefit the PBSS, the, the Pontchartrain Beach Summer Series. Um, if we get reach $500, we're going to give away like a swag bag complete with kind human teas, stickers, bottles, and other crap that we have lying around uh, the HQ up in Toronto. Uh, when we raise two grand, uh, lucky winner will win the bike. We we're trying to get this up to, we want to get it to like five grand or ten grand. Like let's let's get this huge, right? Because there's big awards to be given away at the end of the series. Is that correct? Yeah, Townsend? big money. And the and the more money we raise, the more money we can give away. So, 
Uh, exactly. It, uh, we're, we're not uh, as as uh, as many people may have discovered that have tried to do this to put on amateur bike races. We are not in this to uh, make money. We're in this to to break even and and get people out racing bikes. So. Uh, I uh, really appreciate uh, your offering to help, and, and this is going to be, I think, a big step toward, uh, toward funding this series, both this year and, and, and for years to come. So hopefully uh, this will be something that, that goes over well. I guess we will we'll publish a photo of the bicycle frame on, um, on the Yeah You Ride website, and, uh, and I'll get that link from you uh, to where the, uh, where the raffle is hosted, and, uh, and we can get uh, get people buying tickets don't need to you don't need to race to uh to enter the raffle anybody's welcome to enter you don't need to be from new orleans don't need to be from louisiana uh don't don't need to know me or anything about the semi-tough cycling club or yeah you ride uh it's an open raffle that anybody in the country can uh, can enter and win this bicycle and and also if if for whatever reason the colors don't suit your fancy i don't know how they can't uh we we are going to allow you to to change the colors on on the frame if you don't want this super awesome design partly by townsend yeah you ride semi-tough cycling club pontchartrain beach summer series uh design we'll let you pick something else that's okay but we might give you crap for it <laughs> yeah and and i can i can attest that the campione is an awesome frame i've had mine for uh, uh oh, thanks, almost, Matt. A, almost a year now yeah and it's a great bike i love it Thanks, Matt. I appreciate it. What's your favorite part about the bike? I'm just curious. Everybody has um, something different. Well, i tell you the thing that I noticed immediately coming from a Reynolds 853 steel frame was <laughs> my one-minute power immediately went up by like 100 watts, just being able to get up, a, you know, just smashing up a bridge. Um, I just had so much more power going through the bottom bracket. Um, yeah. I, and my second favorite, well, actually, maybe my ultra favorite thing about it is you can fit real size tires in an aerodynamic road bike. It's, um, you know, I think having, being able to uh, run 28s is, uh, is great. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, that was a, a goal. We know that we're not going to fit all 28s, but, and depending on what rim widths you're using, but the goal was to try and get most manufacturers 28s in there. But thanks, Matt. That's yeah. Awesome to hear. Uh, well, real quick, Adam, before we let you go, um, why don't you give a quick shout out, not just to, uh, we've been talking about your uh, bike company uh, for all this time. Uh, you actually have a podcast as well. Do you want to give your uh, podcast <laughs> a, a quick shout out? Uh, are you going to make me uh, come out of the nerd closet? <laughs> Absolutely, man. Come on so out. We, so yeah, we, yeah. Uh, well, you're already in our nerd closet right now, so... Can, do I get like 30 seconds as like a, 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 a disclosure as to all, what, where all this came from? Sure. Okay. So uh, I haven't been, I have a three-year-old daughter at home and we moved here and I haven't been, uh, haven't been riding like I was. I haven't been in fitness and I'm not racing bikes. I actually did my last bike race two days before my daughter was born. And uh, so I got back into a game that I never thought that I'd be uh, involved with again. Uh, called Warhammer 40,000. It's essentially like Dungeons and Dragons meets yep. Risk, yep. but set off in the far off future. Uh, and very quickly, I, I, I started playing competitively, but I, I haven't been a big tournament winner. I won a lot of painting awards because I'm a design guy, you know. And I was going to ask you, do you spend hours and hours in your basement with like a magnifying glass and very fine brushes? Uh, 
no magnifying glasses. <laughs> I don't need that. But um, I, I actually use an airbrush and, and Minwax sometimes if it's a quick job. It's We talk about that all, all, all day, but we won't because this is a bike podcast. <laughs> this isn't, yeah, you nerd. This is, yeah, you ride. But um, so I, I, I kind of took it upon myself because I would like to get back to racing. I want to start racing cross again maybe this year. And before I did that, I wanted to see if I could push the, the boundaries, you know, push myself out of my comfort zone and, and try and win a grand tournament. And <clears throat> publicly, I'm not known as being a, a great tactician, and I'm trying to change that. And that's what this podcast is all about. It's called uh, The Best General, A Mediocre Gamer's Quest to Win a Grand Tournament. So it's uh, following me as I step out of my, my comfort zone and try and win at something for once in my life. That's awesome. Yeah, well, I'll yeah, have, to, have to give it a listen. It looks like it's pretty popular. So you have 82 uh, five-star ratings on, uh, on we have, iTunes. Believe it, or not, believe it or not, we have uh, right now 37,000 weekly subscribers. Wow, that's um, really impressive. Yeah, it's uh, and we're, we're about to release our 30th episode. I've had an Olympic rower on the show. Meyerson's been on the show. Uh, I had Christy Keim, uh, who's a sports psychologist on the show. So it's not just about, uh, I mean, it's very much about the game and, and the nerd talk. Yeah. But it's really about uh, kind of understanding your weaknesses and, and, and pushing past them and also acknowledging your strengths. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's a cool show. I, I can say that I have the whole Dutch rowing team listening to it, which is pretty cool. <laughs> Well, we've got about 200 uh, weekly listeners, if we're lucky, on this podcast, uh, Adam. So maybe we should have done this the other way around and had you I'd have us you what, on your podcast. Yeah. Maybe maybe, maybe you guys should come on uh, maybe next week. How's that sound? Sounds great. Sure. We'll do the, the Yeah, You Ride Best General Nerd mashup. Sounds great. <laughs> All right. Well, good. look, man, have a great one. And um, be sure to send me uh, that uh, the link to post on the yeah you ride website for the uh for the raffle and uh you and i will be talking offline in the very near future about uh my new kind human kudu cross bike which i got to get going on because it's uh it's almost going to be time to start saying cross is coming <laughs> soon we're gonna sell out before you're ready to do it i won't let that happen but yeah. uh, bikes are coming soon good all right my man awesome all right have a good night y'all yep all chat right. soon thanks adam Thanks very much to Adam. Uh, fascinating talking to him. Yeah, and and while we were talking to Adam, Bodie showed back up. I can't wait to hear the podcast and uh, <laughs> hear the interview with Adam. Adam, sorry I couldn't uh, be here. I had to run off and do some work, but I finished it and I'm back. Wanted to get back on the mic. Yeah, back um, on the mic and back to uh, talk a little bit about some local comings up is that right yeah, yeah we got a tour de la next weekend uh are you guys racing you guys kind of were seeming yes no last week what i'm feeling yes right now okay i'm yes it's in my plan it's in my your, uh it's so in, your coach has given you 
yeah, he's given me lots of miserable things to do in the last Matt week. Matt did some sort of bizarre fasted workout on Sunday to prepare for the three-mile time trial. Yeah, I was thinking about when uh, Elise and uh, Christina were describing their, you know, um, doing their 50 miles, uh, 60 miles section into a headwind and just, you know, the misery of that. And I was thinking that's pretty much what that workout was for me, except obviously a lot shorter. And uh, uh, but by the last three or three, three or four minutes, it was just absolute misery. And it's where your your brain is just dying. Yeah, it wasn't fun. So that so that's to get ready for the. Are you doing masters or cat four? Cat four. Townsend, are you doing masters or cat four? I'm going to do also do cat four. Nice, pretty mm-hmm. pretty big uh, urban south racing cat four squad. Yeah, yep. excited to hear how it goes. I hope you all set um, some power records in the three mile time trial. Yeah, yeah, I hope so. I mean, it's a, it's a good distance to set some personal bests. Well, that's why I've been doing two by eight. Uh, workouts uh and i've got tomorrow i've got to do a one by eight i'm gonna sprint out out of the saddle for the entire three miles (laughs) no you're not (laughs) (laughs) no you're not what else we got um i think that's it i will not be there unfortunately Mm. i'm gonna miss out on taking some photos well i'll tell you what else we got coming up we got the punch train beach summer series coming up. that is very much true yeah Um, Yeah. first race is june 20th and today gentlemen is june 4th it is three uh, excuse me two weeks from wednesday wow okay that's so scary and i'm leaving town for like eight days yeah so you've got uh, got a few things to do um Bodie, what you did miss you and and i'm reminding everyone we've got the raffle that we're going to be posting for the uh, pontchartrain beach summer series uh custom painted kind human campion frame yeah uh and so Sounds there's lots awesome. of i lots got a little of, sneak peek of it and it looks gorgeous yeah lots yeah. of cool stuff happening in and around that race we just gotta hope and make sure that we get uh, lots of people to come out and race it so if you're out there listening to this in podcast land, uh, 6 p.m. Wednesday, June 20th is the first race of four. And I think it's going to be awesome. Personally, this is something I know, Bodie, you and I have been talking about for a number of years, literally a number of years, talking about whether or not we would be able to pull off a um, summer weekly crit series and we're going to see how it goes this year and, and, and just hope that, uh, folks don't disappoint us by staying home. Yeah. I mean, if you, uh, I know that the Wemo Rai is king. Um, <laughs> it is the king group ride on a weekday, but Hey, Wemo Rai guys, maybe you skip four Wemo Rise and save your energy for that afternoon. You could and- make it the weave Rye. We eve Rye. I mean, I guess you could do the Wemo Rye and then race later in the day. Do some openers during Wemo Rye just yeah. to open up the legs, and, and then, uh, uh, but don't burn it out too hard, and then come on out and throw down. It's uh, you're going to be did, used to it. It's right just, out there on the lakefront. Just to make sure, do, um, do they have prizes at Wemo Rye? Uh, there are prizes. I do, do not believe that they're money prizes. I believe that they're backslap and high five prizes, and yeah. uh, mentions in the uh, the weekly Wemo Rye newsletter. Uh, I mean, you certainly can win that uh, ride, but uh, yes, we are giving away money. This is an a- official USAC-sanctioned money-paying, uh, prize-winning, I mean, a- amazing prizes. We haven't even talked about that, but we'll talk yeah, about we, that we gotta, maybe next week. We're going to put that out next week, uh, yep. what we're giving away. Yeah. 
So yeah, Townsend, I'm excited. We got some work to do, a few things to uh, get get the hype machine going. Um, but oh, um, yeah, I've got one one thing I want to add as well. Is, oh yeah, are you, are you DJing, Matt? Um, potentially, okay. can do. Uh, the other thing I wanted to add was that um, Semi Tough Cycling Club has been doing the uh, Bike MS. Uh, ride every year and this year we're actually going to be have a title sponsor to our bike ms team we will be urban south brewery uh presents semi tough very nice uh, and so uh hopefully should be seeing a new kit for that too um so there's some exciting news there and anybody out anybody out there that wants to join our team we're going to be the best looking uh, team and we're going to have the best beer when we get up to uh, macomb mississippi that's a fact yeah um wait Sorry, did the boss ladies mention that some trading of Urban South beer was? We we didn't talk about that, but that they did post that on uh, on Facebook and Instagram. We didn't talk about it in our interview, but yeah, there was apparently some some Urban South beer that was bartered for a rear derailleur fix. Yeah, <laughs> so that's, that's pretty sweet. So there's someone I don't know where the guy is that uh, helped him with the rear derailleur, but there's some guy out there in Kansas or maybe somewhere else who's uh, drinking some pretty good beer from New Orleans. Nice. Hopefully, we got him hooked. That's or, awesome. Our teammates got him hooked. Um, all right, guys. Well, I think we've probably uh, had a pretty long show. I missed yeah. most of it, but I'm excited to listen to this episode. Uh, T-Bone, you uh, want to sign us off? Yeah, sure. This is the T-Bone uh, saying, if I were Jens Voigt uh, at the end of the DK200, uh, I'd be saying hashtag shut up taint. Hmm. <laughs> Um, I don't really have anything else to say. I'm uh, I'm I'm kind of bonking right now because we've uh, pretty much reached the 200 mile uh, uh, 200 miles on our podcast for tonight. Uh, it's uh, it is an epic. Uh, good night. And this is the buddy buddy saying. I think it's been about 200 episodes since we've had a good review. So if you're listening, and you have not given us a re- review. Please leave us something fresh and steaming, and we will read it out on air. Uh, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, give us an email at yayuride at gmail.com. Thanks to VicNet for the intro and outro music. And I will see you guys at Tuesday Loops. Good night.